This episode of Let Them Eat Cake Podcast is brought to you by Glow. Get the glow for your wedding or event with their wireless, battery-powered LED uplights. No bulky wires, customizable colors, and sure to set the mood with the perfect ambiance. Check them out on social media at Glow Everywhere and online at GlowEverywhere.com. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Fresh Johnson hanging out with me for another episode of Let Them Eat Cake Podcast. I do want to take a quick moment to thank everybody that joined since the launch, whether you've shared on Facebook, liked something on Instagram, subscribed on iTunes, or just took time out of your day to listen. I really appreciate it. So far, this has been everything that I wanted it to be. Can't wait to watch it grow. We're definitely got to have a great time. Now, I got to be honest with y'all. This week's episode was supposed to be about Uh, the perks of hiring a wedding planner versus trying to plan your wedding yourself. But in light of this huge wedding that I have this weekend, it reminded me of the many conversations that this client and I had regarding seated dinner versus a cocktail style or in this case, New Orleans style wedding reception. So it wasn't until I began getting hired by more and more out of town brides that the question of a seated dinner versus a cocktail reception even became a thing. You know, us New Orleans folks, we can't keep still long enough to make it to the second course, let alone take the time to find an escort card because you know, people immediately forget how to read when it's time to find their names on a card or a board something like that. So in episode four, we're going to unpack what's what and help you decide what reception style works best for you. And I can't help to think about the last seated dinner I went to. I was so antsy. Everybody around me was so antsy because we was ready to get up and get the party started. So there's definitely some levels to this, right? And we're going to talk about it all. Let's just get the ground rules out the way. It's your wedding. Anything goes. No stick up the ass mentality. You know, we're moving away from what people would consider a traditional wedding, though there's nothing wrong with traditional weddings. But I just got to tell you, people are doing what the heck they want to do these days, and I'm totally here for it. So as long as there's enough food, you're good. You have nothing to worry about. Just don't run out of food. So when you're trying to decide whether you want to do a cocktail buffet style or a seated dinner, there's lots to consider. And probably the number one thing on everybody's list is what's the most cost-friendly option? And some may automatically think, oh, well, that's easy. Cocktail or buffet style is the cheapest option. I suggest not letting that be the sole deciding factor on which route you go because not all cocktail style receptions or buffets are the cheapest option. Cocktail reception is going to give you more people in a space because everybody doesn't have to be seated. So that's more space for you to have people in, you know, and maneuvering them around the room. Whereas a seated dinner, you're going to have to adhere to that cap. There's venues that's going to tell you straight up, if you're doing seated, this is the most people you can bring and that's going to limit you. If you're doing a cocktail reception, these people are standing. We're not doing seats for everybody so we can pack more into that party. And then another thing you have to think about is what's your wedding style? 
Are you going for the formal, right? Are you going to do casual? Do you want it to be fancy with people holding their pinky out while they sip their wine and eat their tea and crumpets and stuff? You know, you gotta, you have to match that style that you want with one or the other. And I would say if you're going to have people dressed in tuxedos and gowns, then yeah, you might, you might want to do a seated dinner. I mean, I like to think gowns for a wedding, let's do a seated dinner. You know, it's just a, it's just a different vibe. So identifying their wedding style and working with your planner, or if you don't have a planner, just bouncing the idea off of some friends, everybody's trusty best friend, Pinterest. That'll kind of help you figure out which route you want to go. You also want to consider your ambiance. What's your wedding about? Is your wedding about the dinner? If it's about the dinner, then yeah, let's do a seated dinner. If your wedding is about the space, if you're trying to maximize on the things you could do in those walls, then no, let's do a cocktail reception or let's do a buffet. What do you want people to remember? If you have gone all out creating this off the chain menu, and you're so excited and you want everybody to be talking about this food, well, yeah, sit their asses down in this chair and make them run through all these courses. They will definitely be talking about the food. Now, whether they enjoy that or not, hey, it's definitely something that you can use to help you decide which route you want to go. Very, very important. Almost just as important as the budget is how many guests you're going to have. And how do you want to spend your night? So I'll be straight up with you. Seated dinners are always super time consuming, especially if you're having a large wedding. The larger the wedding, the more time people will be in their seat. If you do a seated dinner and you don't add that extra hour to make it a four hour reception, I promise you, you're going to regret it because by the time, and I'm speaking from experience on this one, by the time you get all 300 or 250 or even 225 of these people fed, you may have an hour left. And it's just, it's just tricky. Smaller weddings can move through the courses quicker, but since it's not a lot of people, their mood kind of goes down. With smaller weddings, you want to keep that, that dynamic going. You know, you want to keep them busy because there's not a lot of them. So it's not too much out of energy that they can feel off, it's important to definitely give smaller weddings a lot to do. So the flip side to that is if you have a large wedding and you say, hey, we're going to do this cocktail or buffet style, then all of those people have to run through a line, which is why one, I suggest having a great appetizer menu four, five, even six things that you're going to have passed around continuously, you know, while people are mingling, while people are in line, you know, getting some of these main entrees just so people are not hungry. Because when people get hungry, their desire to have fun just goes all the way down. And another thing to do is have uh, food stations. That's a great way to kind of give people places to go to get them moving around the room. You know, you have your your salad station, you have your, your fruit and your cheese, a carving station, of course, and then, you know, kind of like a, a entree. Some people may do the pasta, the seafood pasta, the chicken alfredo type thing. But something that I do suggest is any station that they go to, it should be enough to make a, a complete like for them to get full off at the Arbor Room, 
my favorite thing to get there is the pasta station. You know, somebody gonna go get this plate of that seafood pasta or that pasta jambalaya and they'll be good with that. And maybe later they may go to the carving station and, you know, do a turkey sandwich or a, a ham sandwich with the little rolls and different spreads that they have. But everything should be self-contained in a way where, you know what, I want this. So I'm going to go here and I won't necessarily have to go stand in line at another station. That may be something that I pass through later. And it's so crazy when I'm trying to convince a bride to go one way or the other. I always tell her, hey, it just works out. And it always does. But it's still important to have an idea of what you want so that we can break it down and figure out what works best for you. So something very important as well, all this is important. So you're going to hear me continuously say another important thing. And this is important. And that is important. But how full do you want people to be? Look at it like this. If you were to put everything that you're serving, no matter how spread out it is, appetizers, things from each station, it should make a complete meal. All right. Now, whether people eat all of these things, it's totally up to whether they run into the server that has it or whether they do like I do when I'm at a wedding. I'm finding a person with a shrimp and I'm stalking them. Whoever serving them crab cakes, I'm waiting at the door for them. People are going to find their way around and eat up the things that they enjoy the most. So that's not anything for you to worry about. You know, you just make sure that the menu is good and people are going to find what they like. And again, it always works out. A great question to ask yourself is how down for this RSVP life are you? So in episode two, we talked about the RSVP thing. People don't RSVP and how sometimes you're literally chasing people down to find out if they're coming to your wedding. Well, I got to tell you, if you're doing a seated dinner, that shit there is like amplified because not only is it about that head count and you knowing, hey, such and such is coming. But if you're doing a seated dinner, you have to know what they're eating. So you have to get these menu selections into your caterer by a certain time. So I had a wedding. So many people, one didn't RSVP, two, they didn't even check what they wanted, whether they wanted chicken, the meat or the veggie option. So we had to work with the caterer to say, hey, give me this many extra chickens. Give me this many extra steaks. Give me this many extra veggies. And some people are going to have to make these decisions on the spot. But even deeper than that, when your servers are coming around to know who has what, there's something that has to be in front of a guest that says whether it's the chicken, the meat, or the veggie. Now, something that I was doing was I would give them cards. When they checked in at the sign-in station, they would get a card that had a stamp on it to let the server know what their option was. The servers would collect these from the table, go get their plates and drop them and boom. But it created such a hassle because of the people that didn't RSVP. So I'm trying to get the people that did what they were supposed to do checked in and get the net card. But then I'm also juggling the people that didn't do what they're supposed to do and dealing with the, oh, well, I want this, but they may not have anymore what they wanted. And it's so hard for me to tell them, yo, your ass should have RSVP'd and told us what you wanted. You should check the box that said what you wanted to eat. And we wouldn't even be here in this moment. But that's another day, another episode, another podcast. Y'all know how I feel about RSVP and 
that whole process. So whatever to that. But the has a little meal cards and selections, that's definitely going to add some pressure to you. Definitely going to get some fire under your planner. It all depends on if y'all want to deal with that because it makes you very dependent on responsible guests. And then ordering extra to make sure everyone is covered, that's an extra expense. Distributing food cards, that's labor. Having the selections made clear to servers, got to be some solid communication happening there. So that's a very heavy, heavy feature that you want to weigh out. The importance of movement trumps so many things because some people like for their guests not to eat until after they arrive and have their first dance. And I get it. You may think it's great manners. You may think, you know, I don't want anybody eating until I get there and we pray over the food and all that. Yeah, that sounds cute until the end of the night come and you wondering where the hell your reception went at, all right? I'm a fan of letting people get in there, get to eating while y'all are taking pictures. That way, after you're done taking pictures, you guys come in, you dance, you do your couple's dance, mother, son, father, daughter, and the dance floor opens and everybody's ready to party because they've been drinking and they already ate. Like I said, it depends on the ambiance. What what do you want the mood of your wedding to be? And another way to promote that movement is to have activities. Photo booth. You can't go wrong with a photo booth, right? You can't go wrong with something fun at the signing table. I'm a fan of the globe. I love the globe. I love the atlas. I love people doing the date night boxes. I love the signing, the scriptures and the Bible, you know, by your favorite scripture. Anything to do that adds dynamic and movement for people to explore the space. It works perfect for cocktail receptions. Seated dinners, not so much because by the time they go through the process of finding their name card and getting seated, it's so much uh, stationary things. You know, they're going to be confined to the people at their table until people make their way to the dance floor. I just find it harder to get that party going when it's a seated dinner, which is probably why seated dinners aren't too popular here in New Orleans. I'll be honest with you. And of course, the food stations create movement as well. You can do the buffet line and you could just have, hey, straight, you know, food in the shapers next to each other. Cool. Or you can have it in different parts of the room. And that's going to encourage the mingling and the mixing. Now, with this buffet thing, some people say, you know what? I'm going to do a buffet because it's cheaper because they're going to serve themselves. No, 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 no. You never want your guests to serve themselves. I don't care if you have 50 guests. Definitely, if you have 300 guests, you do not want people serving themselves because they're going to pack those plates and then you run the risk of running out of food. And what did I say in the ground rules? You can't run out of food. That's just something that can't happen like ever in life. So for the couples who are coming to, uh, you know, places like New Orleans to get married, who may be from a D.C. or uh, Memphis, like my girl this coming weekend's from Memphis, who may be from a New York or just places where the expectation is to be served and have a seated dinner. You have to be very clear in your messaging. You know, you have to know your wedding guests. If they're expecting that, then you want to make sure on your invitation is something that that states what's going to be happening, what type of reception this is going to be. On your wedding website, like the young lady I have this weekend, she had been using a newsletter to communicate with her guests. And, you know, we wrote a cute little blurb about 
a New Orleans style reception to let people know, yeah, you're not about to be sitting out for no seat at dinner getting served. It is a party. We having a parade. Get you something in your stomach. Hit up the bar. And we about to rock and roll all night long. Just make sure they know that ahead of time because some people might want to grab a little bite of something before the wedding. Like I said, you don't want people to get hungry because their nerves get bad. Then everything just aggravates them. And then they're going to get on Facebook and tell everybody that your wedding was stupid and they were starving. We don't want that either. The best way to probably engage these people at the wedding, because of course, you know, again, just like people forget how to read when they're trying to find their names on escort cards. People also get amnesia when they get somewhere and they forget everything that you told them. So uh, hop on Etsy, order some signage, you know, make sure it's consistent with the theme, but directional signage is good just to add a little flavor to the space and put it in their face so that people know what's going on cheese and salads over here, cute little signs at the bar, just things to keep people's eyes engaged. Just those little details that show themselves to be very important in the end, whether you're doing a seated dinner or whether you're doing a cocktail reception. And also when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Where's your wedding going to be at? If you're getting married in New Orleans, make it a New Orleans style wedding. If you are from New Orleans and you're going to get married in New York or DC or Atlanta and if seated dinner is a thing out there take on the flavor of the city and spice it up try something different since you're in a different space but must-haves now these are the things that you have to have no matter which route you go you have to have seating for your older guests what I've been doing as of late is any space that we have to flip or just to add some dynamic between the ceremony and the reception. I started doing the second line parades after the ceremony, immediately after the ceremony. And then we second line into the reception. But realistically, not everybody's going to go on that second line if it's a moving second line around the block. So you want to make sure you have a seating option for your guests that may not be physically able to go on that, but still where they're comfortable and they don't feel like they're in a way just in case uh, a flip is happening. And in any event, whether you're doing a cocktail, you know, a buffet style, you definitely want to make sure you have seating for about 70% of your guests. I've done a wedding with 300 people. Well, we did 50% seating and it worked out. You just have to make sure that you are encouraging movement in every possible detail so that it's not an event where people are standing around mad because they don't have a seat to put their ass in. And then you have the couples that want the best of both worlds. Hey, do a cocktail hour. You can do the seated seated dinner, but have a cocktail hour. If you didn't do a first look, that means you're going to be taking pictures with the entire bridal party after the ceremony. So you want to keep your guests busy. Do a cocktail hour. Have champagne, uh, those four or five appetizers that I mentioned, even if it's more than champagne, but just not the full bar, just so people can engage and put something on their stomachs and have something to do while they wait on you before we go into the seated dinner. Fun past appetizers, you can't go wrong with that. Just keep something in their hands so they can put in their mouths, all right? Drink in one hand, snatching those appetizers from the servers in the other hand. Another option that is an alternative to a seated dinner, but you know, you're still going for the aesthetic. So there's a seat for everybody, right? And we have these tables set up as it's a seated dinner, but we kick it family style. 
So you work with your planner to have the decor on the table not too crowded because you're going to have these dishes of food on the table, but at the same time, enough decor for it to look like, hey, these are my wedding centerpieces. And if you're going to do family style, I suggest doing six or eight foot tables or farm tables or anything that you can go long ways with and people are just passing around and across. Now, of course, this means that you won't have that straight streamline of decor going all the way down the table. You're going to need breaks between things for people to pass stuff over to each other. And you can't go too high either. So like I said, when you're making these decisions, you really have to map out every detail because there's so many conditions involved in, you know, if this, then that, not that, then this. So you just got to think it out. Some of the trends that I've been seeing that I really like, and this is for I would say for a seated dinner or anywhere where we're doing a full place setting, you know, and in most cases, this will be where there is a seat for everybody. Have wine on the table already. Do a red wine and a white wine and it's there and people are able to pour their own wine because if you're having a seated dinner and you have over 200 guests, it's going to take those servers a while to get around and continually keep those glasses full. So instead of replenishing the glasses, replenish the bottles as they're in, but let people have access to that wine. Because I'm telling you, that wine is what's going to get that dance floor full. I'm serious. (laughs) This is me speaking from experience. I'm telling you what I know. So if you're more into the aesthetic of the seated dinner situation. You just want the look, but you don't really want the commitment. You're not invested in doing it fully. Get you a fire, fire estate table and you deck that estate table out. I've Sometimes I pick out the estate table and do the any reserve seating that we have for family and we fill it out completely. And then around the parameter is where we do that 70% seating so that when you get these pictures back, your photographer is going to be able to create that look of a seated dinner in that space. But you still had your cocktail style reception. People were still going either up to the buffet or to the food stations to get their food, but maybe we'll have the bridal party and a family be served. That's another option as well. Definitely, if you're just straight on decor, this is what I want my wedding to look like, then that's an option for you. So at the end of the day, you know, some may argue that, hey, don't think about it too much. People are there for you and not your food. The lie detector test determined that is a lie. All right. Marvin said it. People are coming to you and eat your food and, of course, eat your cake. Duh. (laughs) Anyway, I'm so excited about next week's episode. We're going to have Jessica Robinson of Justini Cocktails hanging out with us. And we are talking about all things the bar. Make sure you connect on social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Let Them Eat Cake Podcast. Don't forget, I want to hear your wedding stories. Send them over, Let Them Eat Cake Podcast at gmail.com. Also, Wedding Crush Wednesday. Share your favorite wedding pictures so that I can share them on social media. And of course, you can always visit the website, letthemeatcakepodcast.com. See y'all next week. This week's episode of Let Them Eat Cake Podcast was brought to you by Glow. Mention the podcast to get 10% off of the rental of your uplife. Shoot them an email for pricing and availability. Glow at gloweverywhere.com.